For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Throughout the passages of the New Testament, we see believers committing themselves to the local church. There is decided affirmation and commitment between church and Christian, and belonging, a belonging that has some skin in the game, if you will, in helping live out the faith together. Church membership is a formal relationship between a church and a Christian characterized by the church's affirmation and care of Christians of a Christian's discipleship and the Christian's commitment to living out his or her discipleship in the context of the local church. It's a joy this morning uh, as we are in our one another series, members of one another, to recognize on behalf of the elder team the following people and families into the membership of Trinity Baptist Church. So as I call your main name, just please stand where you are to be seen and recognized. Michael and Jess Bergeron and their children, Luke, Timothy, and Grace. Patricia Burnham, Norm and Simi Farland, Dee Kumarianos, and Steve and Linda Wyke. Welcome. The same passage that we'll continue on with next week says these words, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. That is what we all are committing to when we belong to a local church. So let us all commit to those afresh this day. All right, now, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to review some of those words yet again together. We're going to read verses 3 through 8 as we continue on in our One Another series cultivating a gospel community, a community of people being shaped by the gospel and how that impacts the way that we live this out together as the church family. We get to consider that together this summer. And as we come out of the fog of COVID and then get into the, the realities of whatever comes next, we want to be able to do that shaped by the gospel and for the glory of God. So let's can start considering a little bit more of that, members of one another. Um, and we're going to read verses 3 through 8 of Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. As we consider what this life together looks like in the local church, 
we pray that, first of all, our hearts would be so saturated with joy because of who you are and what you've done to us and your grace and mercy through the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for your rescuing work in us and this uniting work in our lives. That We live this out, this faith that you've given to us. We, we live it out not alone, but with others. Help us be a good with others. God, and so would you be with us uh, this morning and the preaching and the hearing, the receiving, the believing, the trusting of your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. It is by grace we can be saved. The gift of salvation is just that, an enormous, abounding, overflowing reality of God's grace. We are saved from our sin, and we are saved to life with God, a life with God that is forever. These are some glorious truths. This is most incredible that we get to celebrate this together each and every week we gather together. It gets to infuse our ministries throughout the week. Now, it is also a grace that we are a we. That is, the church itself is an evidence of God's grace, that enormous, abounding, overflowing grace. Now, yes, the church isn't perfect, never so this side of glory, but the church is definitely graced. The context of a gospel community, that which we hope to cultivate during our One Another series this summer, and really hopefully beyond, is a community existing by grace, belonging by grace, growing by grace, and thriving by grace. In fact, we can't find space anywhere outside of God's grace. If you were to create a Venn diagram, and one circle completely filled in with red is us, and the other circle completely filled in with blue is God's grace, you would have a completely filled in purple circle. There's nowhere outside of His grace for us. That's good news. In the last two weeks, we've spent looking at the groundwork for our One Another series in that love one another is the basis, the foundation for all one anothering. Now today, our attention is set on being members of one another. And that reality is by means of the very same grace that saves Grace, y'all. That's how we do this together. Let's consider that as we see that grace brings some profound changes that bring us from individuals into a people, a belonging together people. Grace brings some change. First, we're going to find in our passage, grace changes how we think of ourselves. Grace changes how we think of ourselves. And that's important because how we think about ourselves has an impact how we live with others. And that's where the second thing that grace changes, how we live together. Grace brings change. How we think, how we live, how we think of ourselves and how we live together. So let's tackle those together. First, how we think of ourselves. 
Grace changes our perspectives. If you notice in our passage uh, from verse 3 through 8, we see that grace is given. And, and therefore, it brings change. In fact, it's stated twice that grace is given. Look at verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. A grace is given to Paul to lead a gospel ministry. And then verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Both sections, one dealing with how uh, grace changes the way we think of ourselves and the other dealing with how grace changes how we live together, both sections begin with the context of grace given. So I don't want us to move into, hey, let's figure out how to do this together without us first realizing that the whole context of this together is one of grace. Changes how we see ourselves, how we see the church community, how we see the world around us. And it's grace, grace that is undeserved, overflowing. God giving to us something we didn't earn, rescuing us from something we did earn to bring us to a place we could not go on our own, grace. And he did this by taking on our humanity, living a life that we could not live, dying a death that we deserved, overcoming an enemy of our soul, death grave, or sin, death, and Satan, and not only that, preparing a place in which glory and rescued, redeemed people will be with God for all eternity. And he did so while we were actively living in opposition to him. Grace. When we rehearse that in our heads and our hearts, there's no room for self-absorbed thinking and living grace. We can't go far from grace. Now, stop right there and just think about that. That's our context. Context is that we look at life through the lens of grace. Doesn't that change the way that we see things around us? Doesn't that change our perspectives? And that's what Paul does here. First is we start thinking differently. Verse 3 starts with the word for. So it's connected to what just came right before it, which is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2 show us that our lives are to be lived out sacrificially as spiritual worship. And while we do that, while we live out that way, uh, we're being transformed by the renewal of our mind. Things are changing. God saves us and continues to do good work in us, changing us. Uh, Theological word for that is sanctification. God's not done with us. He has work that he's going to do in and through our lives. And so as soon as Paul says, hey, your life is spiritual worship, live it out for God's glory and know that he's going to be changing you, he immediately starts unpacking where those changes come. And so verse 3 applies this change into the way that we think. Two aspects to note in verse 3. First, We're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Now, generally, that's just true, right? Don't be proud, arrogant. Nobody likes that guy or lady. Are ladies arrogant? I don't know. I know guys are. That's just my context, being being one. (laughs) Certainly an aspect of that, for sure. But in the context, 
This means we not, are not to think of ourselves as not needing grace. Don't miss this. Don't think so highly of yourself that you don't realize you, believer following the Lord for 30 years, still don't need grace. You, whether gray on the top or size of the little, you know, fives on your feet, whatever your age might be, you still need grace. Don't think of yourselves as living outside of that context. There is no red or blue outside of that Venn diagram. It's just purple. You need, I need, we need grace. Don't think of yourself as not needing grace. Immediately, ask yourself this question. How might we view and treat others if we always saw ourselves as needing grace? Now, don't think about how other people are acting. I'm just saying... How do you think you would treat other people if you saw yourself as one always needing grace? It's an important aspect of grace that changes the way that we think differently. Don't think so highly of yourself that you don't need grace. Secondly, we see sort of a a furthering that thought, but think with sober judgment. Now, we certainly associate the word sober in, in one particular way in our culture, but in a sense, it's, it's sober judgment means acute awareness. Have an acute awareness as opposed to living spiritually impaired. Have an acute awareness to two things. Already stated, your need for grace, but then have an acute awareness to the endless treasure trove of that grace in God as now made available to you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have an acute awareness of your need of grace and God's overwhelming sufficiency to provide you that grace. That's how grace changes the way we think. So we think, not highly of ourselves, I need grace, and we think acutely, God has all the grace. So I want to live where all the grace is. If I'm always in need. Now there's another expression that comes with this. It says, measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, unfortunately, there's been a lot of ink spilt around that expression. What does that mean? Um, It either either means an amount of faith or a kind or character or quality of faith. And instead of getting lost in all that, the main point is this. This is where either one of those go. The more faith, or that is, the more you grow and deepen in your faith and trust in God, the more you realize how much you need grace. And maybe some in here would be able to attest to that. The more you're growing, the more you realize how much you need God graciously at work in you. So much so that you have a better awareness of your need of grace than the person who's coming to God's grace for the very first time, getting rescued from their sin. Because the more you grow and you see how overwhelming God's grace is for you, you see your need for that grace. So, another important kind of question to ask is this. What then would the gospel community be like if it were marked with such people? People maturing in their faith and seeing their need for God's grace more and more as they grow. What would the gospel community be like that's cultivated with that sort of attitude and perspective? 
What kind of gospel community would be fruitful with roots that are growing deep into God's grace? Well, I'll tell you what, a powerful one, an incredibly attractive one, one that is at, at work making much of that grace to each other and those who are in desperate need. A powerfully exciting one filled with sinners and saints. I want to be a part of that. Something cultivated and, and deepening and thriving and fruitful. I, want, I hope that your heart wants to be a part of that because Guess what? Grace has been given. Grace has been given. And it makes us members one of another. So this section has two parts, both beginning with grace is given. But right in the middle, right swinging from one part to the other, we have that expression, members one of another. Grace brings rescue, which brings change, which brings new awareness. And that new awareness one of the new awarenesses is that we now belong to something bigger than ourselves. Right in the middle of the section, between these two graces given, we see this phrase that tells us we belong to something bigger. We are connected together in something that the Bible describes as alive and living and growing and thriving and we are to work together to grow healthily with good health think of your body as the bible would use our bodies as a visual for the church body as a whole if there's one thing that's out of whack in your body your whole body feels it right if you have one little nerve, one little nerve pinched in your back, you're done. You feel it, it wrecks everything. It's so easy to see one thing fail and then, and then the whole body suffers. Or think about if you're wanting to, to, I don't know, get healthy, lose weight, do all those sorts of things. If you just do, I don't know, exercise ever so often but don't change your diet, nothing changes because our Whole bodies need to be wholly involved. It's a good imagery the Bible employs for us. We're connected together and all our parts are to work together in a healthy way. And that means we are all part of the overall health system of Trinity. If you call Trinity home, you're part of our overall health system. You've been given grace. Now let's understand what living in light of that grace means. First part, though, is if we don't see ourselves rightly, we will contribute to overall body unhealthiness. If we see ourselves rightly as ones always in need of grace we can then start looking at how we live this together. Now note, both sections have self-awareness and now self-giving. Both the self-awareness and the self-giving come by grace. What good news. And how we live together is that we go about living together mobilized to apply grace. We think of ourselves rightly and we understand that we are in need of grace and God has all the grace so we can get that grace. To live that out together, we are to see ourselves mobilized to apply grace. A healthy church 
sees each other rightly and lives out the grace of God purposefully. Let's look again at verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. I don't want to go into the list just yet. Let us use them. Do! (laughs) Because God has given, take what you have received and live that out. Live on purpose with these things that God has put into your life and into your heart. Live out honestly and with great purpose. Now, Paul lists seven ways that we can do that. But note, this is not an exhaustive list of everything that Paul could ever say or count for when it comes to living out this faith together. That's not actually his intention. Seven is you know, obviously a helpful number in the Bible. It gives us a sense of total or complete or whole. And so maybe perhaps what Paul is, is wanting with this list for, for his original readers and then also for us is to get a sense of the scope or the feel of what it looks like to live this out together. So we need to be careful to not have a micro focus on a macro picture. You know, narrow in too deeply into one particular detail without seeing the whole canvas that Paul's laying out for us and the whole canvas is that by the grace given to us, we're to live this out together. Each one that you see in that list is a gift or an action that are to be lived out intentionally and joyfully. And doing so, get this, Listen to this. If we live out what we have received by God's grace, intentionally and joyfully, it is both a sign of the grace that we have received and a contribution to the grace that we are giving and pointing to and making much of to others. It's both at work in us. We are being encouraged to see God's grace at work. And, and all the more motivated to be at work to make much of that grace. We need the context of grace to change the way we think and live together. In his book, What is a Healthy Church Member? Thabiti Anya Wele says this, A healthy, committed church member receives and applies the grace of God by working to support the ministry of the local church and excels in giving what he or she has already received from God to gospel work. A healthy, committed church member. Now, it's not the word perfect. We're not asking perfect. We want good health. A healthy, committed church member receives and applies the grace of God by working to support and excelling in giving in what you have received, the grace that God has been at work in you. I also love what the... Gospel Transformation Study Bible says of this passage, the gospel does not produce perpetual spectators, but mobilizes hearers to make a difference for others as God has made a difference in them. The gospel does not produce perpetual spectators. Spectating is a weight that drags behind a church. 
drags behind a church seeking to cultivate a gospel community. Grace is given not so that we can spectate. Grace is given so that we move from spectating to facilitating. That we want to see the grace of God bring life in our church and through our church and our lives together. So as I thought on that, and I think to myself, how do we move from spectating to participating, from spectator to mobilized member of one another? How do we do that? Well, there's a lot to say to that. So I just want to give a very sort of big, broad overview, simple thought that all of us can be challenged with. Because my hope is by now we see that grace has brought some radical change, salvation, and then this life in the local church that changes the way we see ourselves and changes the way we live together. And so because grace is so amazing and so sufficient and we'll never run dry of it, let's get focused on what it is that we are to do with it. So how do we move from spectating to mobilized member? Well, first thing that I want to say is that we must be physically present and relationally engaged. It's very basic. But without these very basic blocks, how can we go about thriving in the ways that we see here? So physically present just means there's got to be some time and proximity together. Building together. Right now, many of you are, love football, and so you know that your various uh, pro football teams are wrapping up their, their one of their mini camps, and they're going to have another one here in the summer. And all of that's important for their season because it's them coming together as a team. Don't do that well. You can pretty much know before the season starts how well the season's going to go. And so churches, similarly, we got to come together as a team. In many ways, Trinity is very much a team. But we had this weird thing of a new pastor and then COVID. And, and so this summer is a mark of us moving from spectator waiting to mobilize member of one another. So time and proximity. Be here. And then when here, be here. And that means relationally engaged. Relationally engaged with each other. Now, let me give all you introverts a way out. You get to be as relationally engaged as you are comfortable. I'm not asking you to be extroverts. The four of us will carry that load on our own. We, we want it. <laughs> but I also mean you to be in relationally engaged. To be committed to each other beyond the surface. To get past the shallow where the water gets above the waist in each other's lives. I'm not asking you to do that with 100 people. Your capacity and your time and proximity may only allow for one, two, or three, and that's great. But on purpose, on purpose, relationally engaged. I know that front is just very panoramic view, but, but we need those things. If we're going to do this, we need to be here and when we're here, we need to be here. Second thing that I want to say is that while we're here, physically and relationally, let us go about making much of the grace that we have received. Let us be about champion the grace of God. 
as it's on full display through the gospel. Paul's list there in Romans 12, 3 through 8, doesn't cover everything. But what it helps us see is that making much of the grace of God can show up in all sorts of ways. In his list are things that I'm doing up here, up front, exhorting, teaching, proclaiming. And there are things that are happening behind the scenes in Paul's list that you never see, you never know. But there's a whole team of people serving quietly in the shadows, helping things happen. And there's all kinds of space in between this stage and those shadows that we all need to be together serving. And his list gives us that scope. So there's room for all of us. We all matter and we all play a part in making much of the grace of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our motivation is because God is so overwhelmingly gracious to us. I'm going to give up some time. I'm going to go help mow the yard that's out in the field. I'm going to give up time and fix things around the building. I'm going to give up time and I'm going to lead a a Bible study for adults who have kids uh, and and, uh, students in the uh, senior high ministry. Like those kinds of things. Get generated in our hearts when we are understanding the overwhelming scope and awesomeness of God's grace. So, put yourself out there in the lives of others. Make much of the grace of God and see grace flourish and thrive in our community. Grace changes how we see ourselves and how we live out our faith together. With grace informing both our thinking and our living, it creates a culture that is healthy, thriving, and deepening. When we see each other as members of one another, living for the good of others brings about gospel health for the whole. And though it's not our main motive, we benefit from that too. And may that be so. May that be so. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your grace. It sets the context of our lives and of our church. Help us to not think outside of that grace that you have so incredibly given to us. And help us, enable us, equip us, inspire us to live within that grace. Making much of you to the good of others, to your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.